Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Remember, again, use the code Locked On at the checkout for $10 off your first order. And shout out to Ben, uh, who hit me up on Twitter last night. He bought some Built Bar and he asked whether we get some kickback. Well, our friends at Built Bar are great sponsors here. And, and yes, of course, the ads help us out. Uh, for the time we put in. But Frank, yesterday we started our trade value rankings. And for those that missed yesterday's episode, you might want to go back and listen to that one first. We went through the free agents as a, a, a separate rankings. Let's say that. We didn't include the free agents upcoming. We did include the guys with options. That includes Wesley and Robin Lopez. So we separated the free agents. We discussed where they sit in the pecking order according to us. And then we got through our first five. So the five players in slightly different order, but the five players we named to this point, DJ Wilson, Ersan Uyasova, Thanasis, Robin Lopez, and Wesley Matthews. But I, I think this is definitely where it gets interesting when you're talking about the guys on big dollar amounts, on long contracts for the most part outside of Giannis, who, um, you know, I mean, you already assumed that I was going to take him number one. I, I think we need to wait and see. Uh, when we get to number Presumptuous. One. Yes, it was a little bit, I think. But uh, who, who did you have next? And keeping in mind, we still got pick 19 floating around in there somewhere, which I, I really, that was a difficult one for me. I'm curious to see where you have that. Just getting back to my list. Okay. Um, I have next on my list, and I would say the next three guys. Eh, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I, I have next on my list, George Hill. Um, and I had, uh, George Hill and then the number 19 pick. Uh, so that was my seventh and sixth spots. Um, Hill and number 19 probably could not be more different (laughs) (laughs) considering George Hill will be essentially an expiring contract next year. Uh, he has that third year of his original contract. That's non-guaranteed. Um, but you know, he's essentially a, a $9 million, uh, you know, expiring salary, um, you know, his versatility, the presence he brings off the bench, ability to defend and, and play both, both uh, guard positions offensively as well as defensively. I mean, look, no surprise how valuable he's been. We, we saw the value he had last year. He had some, obviously some terrific impact games in the playoffs. Um, the shooting this year was out of this world, right? I mean, there's, there's no way he could possibly shoot 48% from three again next year. Um, but by the same token, he's been a good three point shooter. Most of his career was weirdly bad the year before last or, the, or sorry, last year. Um, so <laughs> some mean reversion this year and then some, um, but, uh, you know, again, I'm, I, he was one of those guys, like you looked at and said, eh, you know, 18, 19 million guaranteed or whatever for George Hill. 
how happy are you about that? Especially given that, you know, you kind of picked him over Malcolm Brogdon in some ways. (laughs) Obviously you got other stuff for not giving Malcolm Brogdon 20 plus million a year. But one of the, I think reasons the Bucks were more open to doing that was because it gave them flexibility to bring back George Hill. And obviously this year, you know, he has really paid, paid off that, that faith. Um, Because again, at his age, you know, coming out of Cleveland and Sacramento had not been the same George Hill. And, you know, it's funny, Eric and I would joke about how much, you know, a few years ago, he was the guy that we always looked at as the archetype, you know, the archetype of a point guard that you'd want to put on a Giannis team. You know, again, guy that can make some plays, can shoot, defends really well, um, but isn't like a ball dominant type guy. And, um, you know, the Bucks have now have the benefit of bringing that guy off the bench. And obviously he's fit into his role really well. He's not a volume scorer, um, but just plays his role. Obviously, Bud loves him. And, um, you know, you can just pencil him in as that sixth man, I think, at least for another year, hopefully. So, um, and, and he's, a, you know, knock on wood, he's kind of um, – you know, stayed healthy for the most part this year. Um, you know, had an injury last year late in the season. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's obviously had issues with that. So you, especially as he gets older, you worry about that. And obviously, you know, uh, calling back to one of our previous podcasts, he is the, um, you know, the, the probably the best choice for the zombie apocalypse uh, walkie <laughs> yes. buck to fall into line with because he's an outdoorsy guy uh, as well. So, um, so yeah, I had George there and then, um, I had the number 19 pick ahead of him. Again, is the number 19 pick going to help you next year as much as George Hill? Clearly not if you use it for a player, but you could also trade it. Um, Sam Bassini uh, at The Athletic had a, uh, a Q&A with our guy Eric Name today, and they talked about potential you know, trade options there with the number 19 pick. And he brought up Luke Kennard, who you know we talked about a bit during the season. Um, okay, if you think of the 19th pick is, you know, could that get you like a Luke Kennard type player? Well then, yeah, then that pick could really actually help you pretty immediately. Uh, even if it's not for, uh, you know, a veteran, uh, an older veteran type type guy. So I, I had number 19 ahead of George Hill. Um, you know, again, I don't think you could trade George Hill for, you know, uh, a mid ladder or sorry, a mid first round pick at this point. Um, it's kind of ironic that he was traded for Kawhi Leonard slash the number 15 pick, uh, you know, eight or nine years ago <laughs> at this point. Um, and I'm now comparing him to the nine, number 19 pick at the age of 34. Um, but yeah, I, I had 19 ahead of George. Um, and again, it's, it may feel like apples and oranges, but um, I, I also do feel like, look, uh, longer term, you know, yes, job one, getting Giannis to sign that Supermax. The other part of the equation is when, once you do, you also need to think about, you know, how you're also building for the long term with them and not just being completely short-sighted, which again, the Bucks have reason to be short-sighted. They're, you know, a championship contender. You, you want to, you know, really try to take, take advantage of, of the window while you can, but um, certainly number 19 potential to get a player that, that could help you longer term. That's obviously something that's interesting too, especially given look Dante DiVincenzo, you know, two years after uh, being the number 17 pick, He's obviously a really huge part of this roster, and I'd say it speaks well of him that we haven't brought him up yet because he's going to be higher in our rankings. For sure. And and I actually went at number seven, I guess that is. Yeah, number seven. I actually went with pick 19. Uh, I think it's interesting because I think that the value of this pick, and I know this is, again, sort of cheating, but the value of this pick changes 
wants the Bucks select a player, I think, because I think, you know, there's teams out there that if they had the control of the number 19 pick and maybe the Bucks could organize a trade, then I, I think there's more value to other teams. I think once the Bucks select a guy, it's hard for me to see, given where the Bucks stand in their current uh, positioning in terms of contending for a championship, it's hard to see me, it's hard to see the Bucks taking a guy at number 19 and them coming in and having an impact where the first season or potentially two seasons, and again, I mean, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully they are able to pick a guy that comes in and plays straight away. But uh, I, I think the value there, I, I think it drops. And, and it might be more of a, a guy that they look to the future. I know I've spoke with you, I don't think on the podcast, but a little bit uh, off air, I guess, about potentially looking at a point guard. Because when we look at the two guys with Bledsoe and George Hill, uh, they're in their 30s. And as you sort of pointed to, if you sign Giannis, to a supermax, maybe it's it's not a guy necessarily that you draft that is your point guard of the future, and you don't necessarily have to build through the draft. But uh, there's a lack of young guys on the team, <laughs> and even if the Bucks sign Giannis, there's going to be some interesting times ahead with, with a bunch of guys. So the pick 19 is really interesting to me to see what they do. But I did have to slot that in at number seven. It's a bit of an unknown quantity right now, but uh, I, I think. Again, there's going to be some eval- there's going to be some value not only for next season but moving forward. If the Bucks can obviously pick up a guy that can contribute on the floor, number set uh, number six for me. This is potentially the first controversial move. Uh, I'm not sure how you're going to look at this, but I had Brook Lopez because I- I've said before that out of all the contracts that the Bucks signed last summer, the one that is a little concerning moving forward long term is Brook Lopez for mine now uh, clearly this year uh, he's put his name in contention for defensive player of the year again he's been uh, an unbelievable contributor for the team defensively we know offensively the shot went away it was under 30 percent on the season still on pretty high volume I certainly had some concerns that if he's shooting in the 20s during the playoffs what that means offensively for this team we saw the offense created a little bit last year in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the other thing that I that made me put Brook here, despite what he's contributing right now to the team, is he's going to be 34, 35, and he's still going to be paying him $13.9 million. So for 2020, he's owed 12.6, then 13.3, then 13.9. So the added years on the deal is probably why I have him ahead of some other guys. I think that there's a number of guys that the Bucks signed with obviously George Hill as you just spoke about and Eric Bledsoe is the other one that are going to be well into their 30s and still getting paid significant money and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them in terms of their Milwaukee future if they're able to continue to play at the level we've seen over the last two years but Lopez with those extended years uh, is why I had him at number six here even though if I was purely rating on, on who I think is more important to the team, to the structure, to the, to the d- defense and offense, Lopez would be a lot higher. But for this, and with the contract in mind, uh, I, I had him there. And I had Brooke higher, um, and I'm not going to debate any of the rationale you had there. The contract definitely in the out years is a concern. Um, obviously, I'd say defensively, career year from him, that's probably sure. you know, the thing that, that, that is the most encouraging, right? I think um, the shooting... Uh, again, he's obviously shot much better the past few years. I think we saw from him, however, more uh, a more diverse offensive game. We saw more of him um, doing old Brook Lopez stuff this year, which was good to see. And I think if we can ever get to a playoffs, um, 
I think could be a valuable counter punching option mm-hmm. for the Bucks. You know, Brook in the post and being able to take advantage um, of of his skill set there. Um, so I, I think that's you know uh, something that that for me kept him a fair bit higher actually in these rankings trying to get to. Um, and and again, I think the other thing too is you know looking at the teams that the Bucks will have to would have to likely go through. Um, the Lakers play big men, so Brooks going to have a role there. Um, also in the East, I mean, again, you have Philly kind of always looming. Uh, you obviously really want a guy like Brook against an Embiid type. You know, Embiid had one awesome game and two really bad games against the Lopez brothers this year. Um, I think that's you know an important part of his value. Um, you know, I, I don't think the way like the Celtics play. Um, you know, t- with Tice, I don't think they're going to, you know, necessarily be able to play Brooke off the floor in a scenario like that. Like maybe people were worried about last year. Um, and uh, again, I mean, even like that Toronto series, I mean, in those last couple of games, like I mean, Brooke Lopez was the guy that actually you felt like he really was kind of rising to the challenge at points. Like in that game six last year against Toronto, he was actually scoring like, yeah, this was like airballing five footers. And <laughs> you were wondering like what was going on. Um, so, so yeah, I think, um, I think Brooks a guy I have, I have higher. Um, I, if I go, uh, kind of keep going down my list. Um, I actually cool. had, I actually had Bledsoe at number five. Um, and you know, we talked about the uh, the age factor on the Bucks point cards. Obviously, Bledsoe is younger than George Hill. Um, but you know, especially for a guy that has not been a shooter and has not been a guy that relies on his savvy so much as his athleticism. Obviously, you worry um, about that aspect of his game. Um, you know, again, essentially two guaranteed years left, uh, after this one. So the contract is not going to be an albatross, you know, it doesn't have that extra year like, like Brooke does. Um, and, but again, I just, I just get nervous about, you know, what we're going to see in the playoffs and, um, hopefully he's maybe the one guy that would benefit from a lack of fans in the playoffs. <laughs> That's indeed, you know, obviously what we're expecting to see this year. Uh, if, if God willing, the Bucks, uh, and the rest of the league can, can actually have a, a champion crowned. Um, but, uh, again, like the lack of ideal fit, um, you know, around Giannis, the, the concerns about, can he, uh, space the floor enough, you know, our team's going to just basically dare him to shoot in a, a playoff, you know, uh, late, late round scenario. I think that obviously is something that is in the back of my mind and drops him down because, you know, again, obviously last year, I mean, really Bledsoe's first two years, you could have made the argument that he was the Bucks' second best player, you know, based on the numbers. Uh, and, and his impact, especially defensively last year, uh, never made the all-star team. You know, Chris obviously has risen above him, uh, in the pecking order and, and has, you know, pretty clearly established himself as the, the number two guy, obviously now, but, um, you know, not to diminish what, what Eric's done, especially in the regular season, but again, just the playoffs and then the age factor, um, kind of kept him, him down a little bit lower than expected. So I had Bledsoe, um, at five and at four, um, I had Dante DiVincenzo, <laughs> which um, I think Dante versus Bledsoe is an interesting one because, you know, again, I think certainly, especially regular season wise, I'd say Eric Bledsoe is still definitively a, a better, um, more reliable basketball player just because of the fact that he can, you know, run an offense, create out of pick and roll and create his own shot more reliably than Dante can at this point. Um, but man, Dante DiVincenzo has had just an awesome second year shaking off all those injury concerns, all the secret Dante concerns that, that I had last summer. And obviously going back even a year before that, 
Um, you couldn't have really asked for a much better second season from him just being that ultimate glue guy. You know, the lineup data on any, any lineups with Dante were incredible this year, it seemed. And he's obviously a guy that, uh, you know, we've talked about, like, does he have a super high ceiling? Maybe not. Um, but as a, you know, terrific role player on a, a hopefully eventually a title winning team, you know, you could see really big things from him and him playing a really key role in a very kind of like Spursy type way, um, which again, from the number 17 pick to be getting that already in year two and with two more years left uh, on his rookie deal, obviously that's, uh, that's something to be excited about. So, um, so yeah, secret Dante, not so secret at number four for me. Okay, so five and four for me, and hopefully everyone's been able to keep track of this, but five for me, I had Eric Bledsoe, and then four, I had George Hill. You've sort of gone through these guys. The only reason I, I, I had George Hill ahead of him, and, and certainly I've got George significantly higher than you did, and there's some concern there. I mean, again, I, I totally agree that the shooting from three, 48%, was, was well over 50% for, for a lot of the season. is going to be hard to replicate. The only reason I had George ahead of Bledsoe when I, again, I, and I, maybe I'll focus more on the, on the contracts and the dollar amounts, and you're right, there's only two uh, guaranteed years for, for both of these guys upcoming. So it's not fully crippling, but Bledsoe's obviously money is scaling up 15, uh, 15.6 this year. Uh, that's going up to, he'll be paid 18.1 in 2021. Uh, George Hill only 10 million. And I always used to make this comparison when people ask me about Malcolm Brogdon last season and Eric Bledsoe. And I always said that Bledsoe is a guy that is going to win the Bucks more regular season games than Malcolm Brogdon in the playoffs. I'm not so sure where, where that stands based on, on what we've seen. And I stand by that. Bledsoe has been such a vital uh, player, not just on defense, on offense. We've seen him have huge nights. Uh, and when he's at his aggressive best, he's, he's almost unstoppable in transition, getting to the basket. He then starts hitting his threes. He's a real confidence player. So I, I, I don't have huge concerns with Bledsoe or as big a concerns as some other people, but I can't help but look at the playoffs. And when I think about these two, and I think back to the playoffs last season between Bledsoe and Hill, Hill was the guy that Bud went to at the end of games. He stepped up in a couple of those games against Toronto. He was fantastic in the postseason, even though uh, his regular season wasn't, uh, where it had been in, in previous years, going back to those those San Antonio days in Indiana, as you sort of pointed to. So I had Bledsoe 5 and George Hill 4. Again, probably looking at the dollar amount. So really, when I when I grouped these three guys together, they got the, the big contracts last season with Lopez, Bledsoe, and Hill. It probably... The contracts probably factored more into my decision than anything else with me going Lopez, Bledsoe, and Hill. But I, I certainly can see why and I'm I'm sure I'm going to understand why you haven't mentioned Brooke Lopez yet Frank yeah I mean and again I you know I don't I'm not I can't say I'm super married to um to my I don't know call it my uh let's see three through yeah. six maybe it's um, tough, right? yeah um and and I think it kind of speaks to you know, the depth of the Bucks role players at this point, right? Um, I think, um, you know, I consider the Bucks top six um, to be really good. I mean, guys I trust. I, I'm not even including Wes in that. And you can maybe make an argument for Wes, um, make it seven. 
Um, but, you know, I think with, uh, you know, basically Giannis, Chris, um, Brooke, Dante, Bled, uh, George Hill, and, and whatever order you want, um, you know, there's a, there's just, that's six guys that I think you've, you know, again, as Bledsoe's playoff stuff, notwithstanding, those are three like very good players, um, that just know how to play. And I think they're sort of winning basketball players. Um, so yeah, I had Brooke third. Uh, and again, this is a guy who, I mean, you know, he's got an argument for defensive player of the year this year. We talked about him versus Giannis and, and why we put Giannis ahead of him. But, um, I mean, he fits the Bucks scheme perfectly, uh, has really grown defensively in that second year. I think last year he was, you know, really, was really good and was a really pleasant surprise that he fit in as well as he did. And obviously that he continued to shoot the ball as well as he did last year. Um, this year we mentioned the shooting has gone kind of regressed, regressed a bit, but, um, you know, the defense has been terrific. He stayed healthy, knock on wood. Uh, and again, just the, I think the post game, the in-between game, those weird off balance 16 footer, you know, touch shots that for some reason he's better at than anybody else on the roster, <laughs> you know, um, that's, I think just, you know, underscored just kind of what he means to this, to this team. And, um, you know, again, are there going to be scenarios where you want to go smaller and, and not play Brook Lopez, especially late in games? I, that certainly could happen, right? I think that's the best argument against putting him this high, along with just the fact that, you know, his age plus the length of his contract that you brought up. Um, but again, maybe part of this is just me just showing some respect and some love for, uh, for Splash Mountain. Yeah, no, I, again, it's, it's really hard to argue with. And I, I felt bad, but I felt bad putting him at uh, number six where I had him or seven, wherever it was because uh, of the impact he has had on the floor. And, and, and uh, like I sort of mentioned, if you base your ratings purely on uh, who you think you really need or want for the Bucks to play to the same level next season, he's significantly higher. But for me, top three, and I can't believe now, I've got this guy, you've already mentioned him, Dante DiVincenzo. If you had asked me at the start of the season, if we had done these ratings at the start of the season, he would not have been top three. Let's just say that. But it was hard to watch DiVincenzo for me anyway as the season went on and not just get more and more confident that this guy was going to be a positive factor in the postseason and then sort of wonder what's in the future for him because he just seemed to improve. You look at all the numbers across the board defensively, uh, we know, even in his rookie season, he's one of those guys that has such an impact defensively with steals, deflections, ability to to create chaos more than anything. Hit the glass, rebound. He just does all the little things that contribute to winning basketball. But the thing that impressed me the most was this season we saw his three-point shot improve a little bit, even though, uh, let's just say, the shot selection or shot confidence was uh, very much the same as it was in, in the rookie season. He's not shy. But we saw in big games he was able to rise to the occasion. I can't help but think back to that third quarter against LA in LA, and the Bucks were really struggling. And, and they were getting walked over. The Lakers were really starting to put their foot on the gas and create separation between them and the Bucks. And Dante was the one guy that stood up in that quarter and and just kept the scoreboard ticking over. He was scoring multiple times. He was able to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. And that was a big area that we spoke about early in the season that he was able to get to his spots, but he wasn't able to finish. Uh, we saw that improve dramatically as the season went on. You look at the numbers, they just improved month by month. And as a guy that we've seen in the past, deliver on big occasions to think of the college um, championship game. 
I was just really excited and still am. Hopefully we get to see it, uh, him in the playoff stage because uh, he's not a guy that's shy or, or seems like he's going to be overawed by the experience. So uh, Dante DiVincenzo, just all the little things he does. And also his age is important. We spoke about it a little bit, but being a younger guy, uh, I think he's gives this team or has extreme value to this team uh, moving forward. And the one thing, and, and knock on wood, uh, his health that we were concerned about at the start of the season to this point, uh, he was largely healthy this season, which was also huge. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of those interesting things. I mean, um, Dante at number three, most valuable, you know, ironically underscores the value of having young players as part of a contending team, right? Because I think, you know, Bud, him, Bud especially, probably not the kind of guy who's obviously going to embrace really young players, but um, fortunately he's, you know, taken a shine to Dante and, um, has not been bashful about playing in big minutes. You know, when guys, uh, well, there was Bledsoe, Middleton, you know, were missing games early in the season. I mean, Dante was the guy that would come in and, and start in place of those guys. And um, they really didn't miss a beat when those guys were were out for the most part. Yeah. So um, so I think it just speaks volumes about just his maturity and, again, just the his general approach to the game. Um, so obviously something that Bucks fans can, can feel pretty excited about. So top two. I don't think this really is going to surprise anyone. I, I will reveal it now. I know everyone was waiting. Yes, I do have Giannis one, which leaves Chris Milton uh, number two. Uh, signs the huge deal, but also has a career best season. And I, I think that that is the important thing to factor in here. What a season he was having. Uh, missed out on by one percentage point, I believe, on, on 50, 40, 90, I guess, if the season was to end now. But we know what he did. Two-time All-Star now. And I think that was the big thing for me. I mean, you just never know. I mean, it's not like Chris Milton strikes me as a guy that was going to sign a big deal and then you know, stop trying or stop working or, or on his game. But the fact that he was able to come back and get even better uh, alongside Giannis, who did the same thing on backing up an MVP campaign. I mean, Milton, for me, is the perfect foil for Giannis. He's not someone that cares about the attention or cares about the fact that Giannis is the best player. He knows his role. And he plays it to perfection. And I think we saw this year a guy that really benefited from having one year under Bud, one year in that system. And he came back so comfortable. We saw Bud allow him to play the way that he likes to play in the mid-range a little bit more, gave him more opportunities. He's one of the best in the mid-range. His his numbers, his percentages for those mid-range turnaround fadeaways are just ridiculous. They're they're Kobe-like, the the numbers. He's maybe the best in the game at that shot. And uh, the three-point... As a result, I think he felt more comfortable in pulling the trigger on those. It was a little bit down on last year in terms of volume. The minutes obviously played a factor in that. But uh, what a season he was having. And the important thing for me, even when I look to the future, is as long as Giannis is here and those two are together, uh, Chris Middleton's going to be in that all-star conversation and he's just going to be a very valuable player. Yeah, I mean, this, like again, Chris Middleton being the Bucks' second best player, I think, was what everyone would have expected coming into the season. Chris Middleton being the, you know, number two trade value guy, number two yeah, guy right, when you factor right. in contract. That was, I'd say, far less of a of a slam, slam dunk. Because, um, again, I mean, like we mentioned, you know, Bledsoe has been right there with him, especially in the regular season the last couple of years in terms of, you know, overall productivity and two-way play and, and Brooke uh, elevating his game. Obviously, he... He gets in there as well, just from a, you know, I'd say a, a, who's like kind of the most valuable players on the team. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, this, this is, this is less obvious, I would say coming into the year than, than we're kind of treating it as now. Um, I would also say, I mean, if Chris, you know, has a down year next year, then it's changes. I, I think this is, <laughs> yeah, then it maybe changes, right? Because yeah. get, just again, he has a massive contract. So, um, you know, being a 50, 40, 90 guy, um, makes it, yeah, he's obviously worth his contract. He's an asset at that contract value, which, you know, again, not that every team is banging on the door to trade for him at that number. Um, but I don't have any doubts that if you wanted to trade him this summer for some strange reason, um, that you could do so, uh, and, and get back, you know, uh, a lot of talent. Right. And, and again, I'm not saying it's, it would make sense to do it. I don't think it would. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he has earned that contract, which was really hard to do. I mean, we were pro Chris Middleton resigning, but I think we all said like, he's probably going to be overpaid. You know, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of, of the way free agency tends to work is you tend to have to overpay guys, you know, as they get to their late twenties when they're good. Um, and when they're not quite, you know, those like no brainer max type players. So, um, so yeah, it's a, um, for him to be where he is right now, obviously it's extremely exciting. You just hope that he's got a few more seasons like this in him because, um, certainly the way this team is constructed, they need him to be, uh, they need him to be great. Giannis is going to need him to play, maybe not at quite this level, um, but somewhere at least in the ballpark. And fortunately he's, he's really delivered and, uh, he's one guy obviously hope the layoff does not, <laughs> does not throw off his rhythm because, uh, he was just incredible, uh, especially as the season has, has kind of gone on. Yeah. Much like, George Hill, I guess, when we, we talk about the shooting percentage numbers, it's it's kind of hard to really imagine Chris playing at 50, 40, 90 shooting efficiency again. I mean, it's just not something that we've seen in the game. But just for a reference for how good this season has been, and I know a lot of our listeners will know, but you remember back to Jason Kidd's last season with the Bucks in 2017-18, Chris averaged over 20 points per game, but he was also playing over 36 minutes per game this season. Uh, right down to around uh, 30. So that year, which at the time before this year was potentially a career-best season, he averaged 19.9 points, five rebounds, four assists per 36. This year, per 36, 25.2 points, 7.5 rebounds, five assists on the shooting percentages. I mean, the season's been... It, honestly, it's it's hard to understate how good he has been this season. We know he had a 50-point game and a couple of really good individual moments when he stepped up when, when Giannis wasn't playing as well. But uh, Giannis, uh, I guess, uh, to the surprise of no one, number one for both of us. Uh, and this is despite the fact that next season, I mean, we hope we finish this year, but next season will be the last of his contract. Hopefully we don't even get to the point where we need to worry about free agents uh, being an unrestricted free agent the following summer. But it, any way you look at it, this guy is still... And this is the one thing, Frank, that, I, that always makes me laugh with all these trade scenarios that come up. Um, there's just no deal that can make it worthwhile for you to trade Giannis and, and put you in a better position to win the championship in 2021 anyway, which is what the Bucs are going to try to do. So when you talk about trade value, it doesn't really matter with Giannis because you're not going to be able to put a deal together that the Bucs would take and, and, and let this guy walk away when he's happy in Milwaukee, wants to be here. Uh, the, the trade chatter for that reason is just ridiculous in itself. But uh, this was uh, obviously not a question. Giannis, number one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, he's the guy if, if they had the league-wide draft, 
goes number one, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, I think at this point, you know, you'd probably add, add that. Um, you probably would have argued that for the last couple of years now. Um, and nothing we've seen in the last year has, <laughs> has made you feel any otherwise. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I think the only question, obviously, um, is whether you can keep him. But, but I agree. I mean, the, the idea of, you know, trading him or, or something like that, I mean, it's just – uh, for better or worse, just it, it, it just doesn't logically make sense, you know, just given where the bucks are and where his kind of contract is. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he opted to wait uh, to sign his next contract uh, that he doesn't, doesn't kind of jump into an extension this coming off season, obviously want him to, I think there's some <laughs> arguments for him to do it, even if it's not the full five-year supermax. Um, but uh you know, from the perspective of betting on himself, I mean, again, he's going to get a max contract, you know, as long as he's living, breathing and able to walk, he'll get a max contract in 2021, whether it's from the bucks or someone else. Um, and again, the bucks can offer him more money and <laughs> we'll, we'll gladly give it to him, you know, then, or, or, or this coming off season. Um, so, so, but I, but I agree. I mean, you know, you have how many windows of, uh, to, to meaningfully compete for titles. Um, and I don't, I don't foresee a scenario where, you know, this season ends such that Giannis is demanding a trade, right? That just seems like it doesn't pass the smell test. So, you know, even if he doesn't sign that extension this summer, um, you'd still go into next season feeling like, hey, we control our own destiny if we win. Um, or we at least give Giannis, you know, make him feel like the Bucks are right there, that, that he'll, he'll want to resign and, and stay here. And, um, yeah, doing, you know, to to try to trade him for whatever a reset of the franchise again you know would you say in hindsight that's better than if he in some scenario like left yeah but again i think you always have to bet on that chance that you know again that more often than not you know you're going to have a better outcome keeping him trying to win and you know again just betting that as a as a franchise and as an organization you can uh, you can convince him to stay and obviously in the meantime, give yourself a chance to win a championship in 2021, if not this, this season. Yeah, I think the only people that may benefit out of the Bucs uh, trading Giannis would be uh, Ernie Grunfeld, George Carl, and uh, all the guys that were implicated with the Ray Allen trade because uh, all of a sudden that wouldn't be the worst trade in franchise history. The Giannis one would be after winning back-to-back MVPs to move him. So uh, we got to the end of our rankings here. For, similar for the most part, but I'll, I'll run through them. So for me, uh, I had Ersan, Thanasis, DJ, Robin West, Pick 19, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Dante, Chris, and Giannis. You had DJ, Ersan, Thanasis, Robin, West, George Hill, Pick 19, Bledsoe, Dante, Brooke, Chris, and Giannis. So I think the major difference really between us was where we had Brooke Lopez in these rankings, but after we've both gone through it, are you 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 going to be able to sleep at night tonight? Are you feeling comfortable about this? I'm feeling very comfortable, especially given it's almost 11:30 at night here in the Central Time Zone, and I've got to get up early for work. So I will I will sleep fine. And uh, you know, hey Brooke, if you want to repay my faith in you by you know hitting more threes than your brother uh, when you come back, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, hey, if you were shooting 35% from three, Brooke, you know, you, you, you slide up the rankings. That's the way this thing works. There's, there's two sides of the court. But uh, that, this was fun. 
I'm glad that, that, that Frank had this idea in his back pocket. We spoke about it a little bit. So uh, don't forget to hit us up with your rankings and tell us where we went horribly wrong. You can get us at Locked on Bucks on Twitter. Uh, be kind, uh, especially to me. Um, but outside of that, we are going to leave it there. I can give you a little hint. We've got a pretty good guest coming up tomorrow to end the week. So you can look forward to that. But for now, Frank, thanks for jumping on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow.